You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 226 with Ginger Hubbard. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Ginger Hubbard back on the show today. If you missed her first episode, which was episode 148, where we talked about parenting, make sure to check that episode out after the show. But today we are going to talk about rebellious teens. Now, you might be thinking Ginger's coming on to talk to us about tips and tricks that she has done with her children in regards to rebellious teens. Well, actually, that is not the case the rebellious teen in this situation is Ginger. And so she shares with us what it looked like for her when she was 18 and her parents became Christians and how her life drastically changed. So if you are running into this issue with your teens and you just feel like you are struggling, I hope this episode really inspires and encourages you that things can turn around. And just listening to Ginger's story, it really opens your eyes, the things that she went through, the things that she regrets, and the things that she wished she would have done differently, and how her parents really just stayed consistent in their faith. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you know someone who has teens and are having a really hard time, please share this episode with them, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, you guys, I haven't done a favorite for coming back on the show today. Oh, hey, Amber. It's so good to be with you. I so enjoyed being on your show last time. So I was thrilled to have another opportunity to talk with you. I know. I'm super excited. Um, So you might remember that I had an icebreaker question on travel. I am a travel agent. And unfortunately, you know, that's kind of, you know, not happening right now. <laughs> yep, no um, avoid. Yep. I can get really sad thinking about that. But <laughs> I try to keep it alive when I can. Um, So my questions changed because uh, with COVID and everything like that. So I'm asking my guests, um, where would you love to travel to once, um, you know, everything kind of gets back to normal, and you kind of feel safe to travel again? Yeah, you know, and I'm dreaming of it already because it's just been so long. But uh, my favorite place, and I think I mentioned this last time, is the Royal Hideaway. Yeah, Uh, it's in uh, Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And so I haven't been there in a few years. And we actually had planned to go back. And then all the stuff with COVID happened. And so, you know, everybody's kind of locked up in their homes and not getting to travel so much, which I know is terrible for you as a travel agent. I know. It was bad. Um, But I just can't. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So I'm just, you know, really praying that, that everything gets under control and we can start traveling again. And that's just one of the first places that my husband and I want to go back to. We just love it. It's just so peaceful and relaxing. And, um, you know, it's adults only. So yeah. it's quiet and it's not a party place. It's more of like a honeymoon kind of place. So yeah. it's just it's just sweet. So we just I know love that it. sounds lovely. I'm sure all the moms are listening to this right now thinking, yes, I want to leave the kids and go <laughs> to this adult only chill place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So for those that missed your previous episode, which is episode 148, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, you guys, um, I wanted you to just share with us a little bit about yourself. So your name, where you live, how many kids you have and their ages. Okay. Well, I am in Opelika, Alabama. For those of you that couldn't tell I'm from the South, (laughs) definitely from the South, uh, born and raised in Alabama and uh, married with four kids um, ranging from 27 to 21. Two are mine and two are my stepkids. Homeschooled both of my kids all the way through. And uh, when Ronnie and I married 10 years ago, uh, like I said, he came sort of as a package deal with two boys. And um, so we've, we've kind of done it all, the homeschool, the public school, the private school, the whole thing. Yeah, you kind of know it. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Um, 
Okay. So the reason why I wanted to bring you back on the show is because I wanted you to talk about your teen years and, um, you know, you were a little bit of a rebellious teen and, um, you know, if people don't know kind of your backstory, they may not see like, okay, well really what was the big deal about that? Right. And so if you want, um, I'd love for you to just share with us a little bit, um, about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I'd love to. I love to share my story because it's it, it's a testimony of just the redemption of Christ. And I really think that what's so amazing about my story is that it can be anyone's story because no matter what our circumstances are, because Jesus does offer his redemption and his mercy and his grace to anyone and everyone who puts their hope and trust in him. And so, um, you know, it's not anything extraordinary about my testimony other than Christ redemption and grace. <laughs> and so that's really why I like to tell it. And so I, I actually did not grow up in a Christian home. My parents didn't come to know Jesus until they were in their early 40s. And so um, even though it wasn't a Christian home, it was a very loving home. And I had a daddy who wanted to give me everything. And so he pretty much gave me everything. <laughs> Just to give you an idea, by the time I was 17 years old, I was on my third car, which was wow. a fire red 300 ZX with T-tops and an airbrush tag on the front that read spoiled rotten. Oh my and I gosh. can vouch that I absolutely was. I know people that know me today say, I just can't believe that was part of your testimony, but but it really was. I could be, still be a little bit spoiled today. My husband would probably say I'm spoiled when he brings my coffee um, to the bed every morning. So I still got <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that The fact that you get me. coffee in your bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe it did kind of hang in there with me a little bit. And so, oh. but anyway, so my parents, I was 18 years old when my parents came to know the Lord. But even before that, uh, my folks were very moral people who really lived a more conservative life than a lot of the church going people we knew. And so as a family, we pretty much viewed Sundays as a day to just sleep in and unwind and just pretty much do whatever we wanted to do rather than a day set apart for worshiping God. And I would say that we viewed people who chose to attend church with us. That's all we thought, you know, Christianity was, was, was about going to church. So we probably viewed people that uh, chose to attend church on Sundays, um, I would say at worst as hypocrites and probably at best as people who just needed to feel better about themselves. <laughs> now, now, as far as me personally, I did believe in God um, mm. just because God creating everything, that yeah. just made more sense to me than evolution. Sure. I thought that all those explanations, and I did go to public school, and so all the explanations in those public school books mm -hmm. uh, were pretty far-fetched to me, that whole Big Bang Theory and saying we all evolved from apes, uh, that just had a lot of holes in it. Um, I thought way too logically for that. And so I guess I just, uh, in reality, didn't have enough faith to be an atheist. Yeah. And so, um, but as far as heaven and hell and where people would spend eternity, I figured that if I lived a a reasonably good life and was good to people and didn't do anything really bad, that I would go to heaven. And so that was pretty much my parents' philosophy as well until someone explained to them that it doesn't matter how good of a person you are because the only way to heaven is through Jesus. And so when someone explained that to them, um, they understood it and they asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. And of course, as soon as they begin to really know him, uh, they begin to love him. And they wanted nothing more than for me to know and love him too. But I didn't like 
uh, I, I just didn't want any part of that. I, I, honestly, I think it was because I just didn't want to change the way I was living. And I sure as heck didn't want to spend my Sundays going to church. And so that is where my rebellion began. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to back up just a little bit. So, you know, what, when you are talking about this and you didn't even grow up as a Christian and today mm-hmm. as an adult, um, you know, uh, share with us a little bit like what you do, like you, um, you're an author and what, where, where's your background right now? Cause I feel like this will really help people kind of be like, wow. So she didn't even grow up as a Christian. And then she's, this is where she is at now. So many years yeah. later. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess it's been about 20 years ago um, where the Lord called me to a ministry of speaking and writing Mm -hmm. and really encouraging parents. It started just as a small mom's group at my church 20 years ago, like 20 moms. And uh, it just, I just had such a passion for it. My favorite thing in the whole world to do is encourage parents to reach the hearts of their children. And so, uh, you know, like I said, it started as a small mom's group of about 20 people. And uh, then I had my first publication, which pretty much launched a national speaking ministry. And so I wound up with uh, my first parenting book was actually my best-selling parenting book. It was called... um, well, I just forgot the name of my first book. Um, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I hate when uh, that happens. Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. It, it was. It, don't make me count to three. Okay. And it's a, it's a mom's look at heart oriented discipline. So that was the first, um, you know, parenting book that I wrote, and it, it wound up being a, a really good. Um, selling book. And so I continued on and um, I have a little wise words for moms chart. I know some people have heard of through that. It's actually available as an app now um, that just kind of helps parents have a a three-step, very simplified plan for how to get past outward behavior and really get to the heart of what's going on in the hearts of their kids. And and then that enables them to um, point them to their need for Christ. And so, and then I wrote uh, my latest parenting book um, is, um, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, which is on biblical wisdom for taming your child's tongue. So uh, pretty much had a 20-year ministry of speaking and um, all over the country. I do parenting events, mom's events, homeschool conventions, and uh, writing books. And so that's pretty much what I do. Yeah, which I think is so inspiring because I think, you know, we have moms listening that are dealing with some rebellious teens right now, and they might just be lacking that hope. And um, so I think by hearing your story and here you came from like a totally different background and, Mm -hmm. and then, and then here you are speaking at conferences and all that kind of stuff and writing books is quite amazing. And so I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about your parents. So you said that someone had um, introduced your parents to Christ. Is that, is that what happened? Is that how Mm -hmm. they decided to accept Jesus? Okay. And Mm -hmm. I mean, did they think it was weird that somebody was like coming and talking to them? Like, were they neighbors or, because sometimes I think people are like, um, you know, how do you really even witness it people? And obviously this must've really made a huge impact on your parents because they weren't even, you know, going to church, they weren't Christians and stuff like that. So how do you think someone even got close enough to them to really kind of share that to, you know, that they would be open for that? Right. And, you know, like I said, they really weren't open at yeah. first because they 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 did know right. several people that uh, that proclaimed to be Christians. They may have been. I don't know. But my parents were actually more moral than some of their friends who went to church every Sunday and said that they were Christians. And so I, that was one of the reasons I think that they Kept were skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Of yep. going. And so how what happened was there my my younger brother 
he was about 12 and he started going to church with oh. a neighbor down the street, his best friend down the street. And he got involved in the youth group. And it just so happened that the uh, the the youth group pastor mm. also was a very regular customer in my parents' uh, restaurant. My dad oh. had a restaurant called Chuck's Barbecue. Um, and so it's uh, he had had that for years. And so this uh, youth director had been eating in there for years. So he, uh, you know, took an interest, of course, in my younger brother, as well as my parents. And so he was just super friendly and always nice and always struck up a conversation. And so when my brother started going to church, he asked if he could come by and just, uh, you know, get to know my parents yeah, a little bit. Right. And so that's, that's pretty much how that went down. So okay. he came over and, and let me just tell you this, cause I love yeah. this part of the testimony. Yeah. Um, there is a gnat flying in my face. You're going to hear me <laughs> slapping my, this is okay. insane. Um, so but anyway, I love this because he came over and my parents already had a lot of respect for him just because he was a really good guy and super friendly and uh, very personable. And so when he shared the gospel, though, um, my dad, because of all these other you know people that he knew, he said, you know, the guy's name was Cliff. He said, you know, Cliff, he said, if there is a heaven and there is a God and you're going there. I'll be right behind you because I'm just as good a person as you are. Oh, wow. And, and I love what Cliff, I mean, God just filled him with wisdom because what Cliff came back and said is he said, Chuck, it's my dad's name, obviously Chuck's barbecue. Right. He said, Chuck, he said, uh, you know, I've known you for, for quite some time now. And I honestly think you're a better person than oh. I am. Wow. But that is not what will get you into heaven. Only It's only through Jesus Christ that we can get to heaven. And it's based on what he's done for us, not how good of a person we are. And that just really spoke to my dad, the humility that Cliff demonstrated there. And so that is what opened the door for Cliff to share the gospel. And when he did, they prayed to receive Christ. Wow. That is really amazing. That really is. And it just goes to show you, too, that God puts certain people in your lives for a reason. And um, so that then takes me back to you and being 18 and not being thrilled about this, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's understandable. You're 18 years old, too. And now your Sundays are going to be taken away from you. And you're like, hey, I'm used to sleeping in. I don't want to get up and go. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I can only imagine, though, you know, how hard this was for your parents, right? They're brand new Christians trying to figure out this role. And now they have to be a good influence on you guys. Um, so what, where, with all of this, where did you like fall in, in, in this and, and trying to, you know, get used to this transformation and seeing that your parents, okay, this is, this is it. They're sticking with this. Mm -hmm. They're not changing mm -hmm. their mind. And, and how was it then, how was it that for them to then parent you, especially as an 18 year old in regards to all of this? Yeah, well, see, that was the thing is I, you know, they just fell so in love with the Lord so immediately. And so I began to see these drastic changes in their lives. And to be honest with you, it was changes that I didn't like. Because here I was, you know, this teenager with a pocket full of money and plenty of freedom and spoiled. And, you know, I didn't appreciate these new family rules, um, right. like like having to attend church every Sunday and Sunday school. And I didn't like that all of a sudden, you know, they started asking me these questions like, where are you going? And who are you? going with. And so I, I just all of the it was just so different for me because I had had all this freedom. And then I would here I am 18 and they're wanting to tighten the reins. And I, that's that is what really led into my rebellion. And so when I began to uh, resist their authority, I will never forget this. My daddy 
came into my bedroom one night and he knelt beside my bed and I will never forget what he said. He took my hands in his and he just had tears just streaming down his face. And he said, little girl, that's what he called me, little girl. He said, I need to ask your forgiveness. He said, I have been a failure as a father because I have tried to win your love by giving you everything you ever wanted, but I have left out the most important thing, and that's Jesus Christ. It was such a defining moment, and I will never forget it, because in all my years, I had never seen my daddy cry. And mm. to be honest with you, I didn't like seeing him cry, and oh, I didn't yeah. like the, I didn't like the God who was making, making my daddy feel like a failure. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I wrapped my arms around him, and I assured him that he had not been a failure, Aww. but he had been the best daddy in the world. Well, then things began to kind of accelerate, and mm. my parents, um, you know, started to getting closer to the Lord. And then they find this verse in the Bible that they have adopted as their new family theme, and of course, it's Joshua twenty four fifteen that says, "As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." Well, I wasn't anything about all that. And so, you know, and so I pretty much rebelled and they so wanted me to share in this new faith with them. And and I just wouldn't. And so all they could do was tighten the reins. And, and the reason they tightened those reins is because they knew the kind of life that I was living. They knew that I was involved in uh, underage and irresponsible drinking. Uh, they had found evidence of what my boyfriend and I had been up to. And so, they, you know, just had to tighten the reins. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's one thing I want to say about that is, you know, a lot of people think that teenagers rebel and make bad choices because of peer pressure. And that's like the common theology there. And I think that's probably true with probably most of the people, most of the time, teenagers. But I can tell you that with me, that was absolutely not the case. I was the peer pressure. Mm. I did exactly what I wanted to do. And I had a way of talking everybody else into doing what I oh, wanted to wow. do. And so um, anyway, but so back to my parents, they knew yeah. that I was living this life that was headed for destruction and they knew they couldn't convince me or were not being successful in convincing me to surrender my life to Jesus. And so really all they could do at that point was try and protect me by laying down these rules. And so when I didn't comply with these new family rules for the first time in my life, my daddy enforced consequences. He took away my freedom and he took away my car. And suddenly he wasn't the best daddy in the world anymore. (laughs) And so I didn't like what was happening. And so I actually left home my senior year of high school. Wow. So was this like in the middle of your senior year? Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I was actually toward the beginning. It was, wow. it was, uh, yeah, we'd actually just started school. It, it was in September. And so I, I just, I had had enough. And so I just packed up and left. So I where'd you go? My, I moved in with my best friend and her mom oh, and her wow. sister. And, okay. uh, because I just, you know, thought my parents were, that their whole line of thinking was completely ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Daddy likes to tell this story of when I was a little girl and how he said, I must have asked him a hundred questions a day. And he said that one day I was riding in his truck with him <laughs> and pointing at everything inside and asking, Daddy, what's that? What's that? Yeah. He said he was so worn out with my questions that after about the hundred and tenth one, <laughs> he says, little girl, I don't know. And he said, I, I looked at him all wide eyed and slapped him on the shoulder and said, Oh, daddy, you know, everything. Aww. He said, well, then when I became a teenager, I looked at him and said, uh, you don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so and then that's how it goes with, 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 with kids and teenagers. We just think they hung the moon and then all of a sudden we know more than they do. So I moved out at 18 and I got a job and I will say I did keep in touch with my parents during that time that I was moved out. 
And they just continued to try and encourage me to begin a relationship with Jesus. And but I just kept resisting. And, you know, again, it's because I didn't want to give up the things in my life that I thought were bringing me happiness. And I didn't want to follow a bunch of do's and don'ts and thou shalt not. And that's pretty much what I thought Christianity was all about. Right. I, I, I just thought it was nothing more than a, a cult, a, a sort of bondage mm-hmm. to, to legalistic rules. Uh, but you know what you and I both realize now is that bondage is when we habitually indulge in act, thoughts and activities and lifestyles that promise these great satisfactions, yeah. but only deliver shallow pleasures right. that, that, that quickly, you know, lead to some really bad things like depression and guilt and regret. And so the more I indulged in those things that I thought was going to bring me happiness, the more unhappy and empty I felt. And, you know, that is the ultimate lie. Satan always promises what we what he can never deliver. Right. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you know what? Teenagers and even adults who are searching for satisfaction in all the wrong places don't realize, and what I didn't realize at the time, is that sin is enslaving. It's not satisfying. John 8.34 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But the good news is that Jesus has paved the way to freedom. And I love what he says two verses down. In verse 36, he says that if the Son sets you free, you are free mm. indeed. Yeah. And so true freedom is found in loving and obeying and serving the Lord Jesus. But like many people, I didn't understand that at first, and so I rebelled. Wow. Well, so two things, because I'm thinking people are probably experiencing something like this, that their child wants to move out or they're dealing with all these issues. I'm curious, like your parents kept coming back to you to to have you um, know Jesus and stuff like that, but how were they with you actually moving out? Like, I mean, did you guys get into huge arguments? Did they try to prevent you from moving out? Like, how did that all look? Well, I waited until they were at work. They were both at the restaurant and I packed up you know, and left. And so I had my car at that time, but then, you know, daddy came and got my car and took it away from me because I was completely (laughs) rebellion. And, and so that was just one of the things that he did. Um, But yeah, I mean, they called me and and we fought and they said, I didn't have any business living out on my own. And I said, well, I'm not coming back there and living under your ridiculous rules. And so that's the kind of things, you know, that we fought about. But at the same time, I can say for certain that one of the ways that God uh, began to soften my heart was through Mm -hmm. my parents' unwavering love for Jesus and their commitment to Him. Because you see, I knew that my parents loved me, but I had watched them for three months put their love for Jesus above their desire to appease me. And because of that, I knew that He was real. And I knew that His love Mm. had to be more powerful than any love that I had ever known. And so God ultimately used my parents' obedience to Him to convict my heart. And, you know, that's that's one message that I like to give to parents who may be struggling with rebellious teens. I think that's crucial for us as parents to understand is that our kids, especially our teens, they won't respect our willingness to compromise our faith to appease them or to avoid conflict. And so I'm very thankful for my parents and the way they ask God for wisdom. And I'm also thankful for the way that they were obedient to act on that wisdom. And, you know, which let me tell you, that was really hard for them to do. That that might sound like, well, you know, maybe your parents could do that, but that's just a hard thing to do. It was terribly hard for them. 
Because during that time that I had left home as a high school student, my parents really struggled with letting me come back home and and just living however I wanted to live because they missed me. I mean, we were a super, super close family even before, you know, they became Christians. And so the separation was very hard on all of us. Mm. And because it was so hard on them, you know, especially with me still being only in high school, there were so many times that they were tempted just to pick up the phone and compromise and say, you know what? All right. You don't have to obey our rules. You can live however you want to live. We won't say a word. We just want you to come back home. So they had that that temptation, but instead they remained faithful to stand on the truths of God's word and to put their trust in him to do a work in my heart. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. And also, too, you had a safe place to be because I would imagine that some people, uh, this would be even more challenging if you were in a situation that maybe your parents didn't feel like you were safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, do you have any advice for people who might be dealing with something like that where they're not, their child is not in the best situation uh, versus living with another adult, kind of like what you were, what you were experiencing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's hard, you know, even though I was living with, uh, you know, people that were that were that were good folks, um, they still wanted me to come home. So but they really didn't have any power over me to to force me to come home because I was 18 years old. And so legally, yeah. legally, yeah. there's nothing they could do. That's so, right. you know, so I, again, I would just for parents, that's awful. You know, if you know that your kids are living somewhere that's not even safe for them to be living, that's got to make it even harder than it was on my parents. But I just appreciate, um, you know, how my parents, they they just didn't give up. They just kept telling me about the Lord and praying for me and encouraging me to come back home and surrender my life. And, you know, really, that's all they can do. Yeah. I mean, what else can you do? So what would that look like for you? Like, would you, would they be calling you so they wouldn't be begging you to come home? But how would that look like um, when they were trying to get you um you know, to accept Jesus? Like, how did that look? Like, was it more that you were talking on the phone or would you go and visit? Like, how would they actually do that? We talked on the phone more. I mean, a couple of times uh, we we tried to go to dinner, but it would just wind up in a big fight because yeah. they would, you know, be telling me right. about what, you know, that I was, uh, that I didn't understand. And I didn't, I didn't understand about the Lord. And so, um, we really can't fully understand until we do accept Christ. And so all we can do, they did all they could do was just meet with me and encourage me and tell me, uh, you know, the difference that Jesus was making in their life and the joy that they had found in him. And, you know, I was just blind. I just had scales on my, over my eyes for, yeah. for quite some time. And so, um, you know, and then God, you know, did something that, that just really, um, I guess, made me realize that what you know what was I running from and I remember how that went down that was I'd been gone I'd been moved out for about three months and it was actually after midnight and it was a particular night that my parents were really emotionally exhausted and just beyond discouraged because it just seemed like that nothing they said and all these prayers were just not working and um, and so they were super discouraged and really at their wits end and just about to break down and, and tell me that I could come back home. But instead, they did what they always did. And they got down on their knees in the living room and they cried out to God and they prayed about this verse that they had found in the Bible. And it was First Corinthians ten thirteen, which talks about God being faithful when we're tempted. Mm. And, you know, that verse says, I will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And in their pain, they were just super honest with God and they told him, you know, that it just seemed like more than they could bear. But at the same time, they wanted to trust him and they wanted to follow his lead. And so as 
as they prayed for God's strength, they said in that moment that just this peace washed over them. And it was interesting because it was at that very moment that I came charging from through the front door, a broken person who needed hope and healing, a person who two weeks earlier had walked into an abortion clinic and bought into one of the biggest lies of all time. Mm. And sorry, I remember that night so well when I went home and how God softened my heart. I was actually already asleep and I wasn't even considering going back home. And I don't know, I just all of a sudden woke up feeling so depressed and so empty and so hopeless. And I just absolutely hated myself and I was miserable with guilt over a lot of the choices that I'd been making, especially the abortion. Mm. And and let me just say that at that time, I really didn't understand why it was wrong mm. because the counselors at the clinic had assured me that it was not a baby at all. Mm. They said that it was just a blob of tissue. But as soon as I left that clinic, I knew in my heart that that wasn't true. And I knew that I had just made the worst and the most selfish decision. And I knew that I was going to regret it for the rest of my life. And, you know, it didn't bring relief at all like they told me it would at the clinic. In fact, it brought on mm. the polar opposite of what they promised. It it actually brought on a just a suffocating and consuming bondage of, of guilt and shame. And so... Um, back to that night that, that God softened my heart, like I said, I was already asleep and I woke up and I just started thinking about my parents and about mm-hmm. this peace and this joy that they had found. And it was a peace and joy that I wanted. And so I just woke up out of the blue and it just hit me. And I thought, why am I running from this? And so I called my boyfriend and he gave me a ride home because I still didn't have a car. Right. You know, daddy had taken my car. <laughs> and even though it was after midnight, his mom was thrilled to let him do that because Aww. she was one of the many Christians that had been praying for me, actually, Aww. to go back home. And when I got home, I walked into the living room where my parents had been just crying out to God. And I mm. said, you know what? I said, I'll follow your rules. I'll do whatever you say because I want what you've got. Oh, And I remember um, clearly I said, I want to know Jesus, but I don't know how. And words cannot express how freeing it was that night. As I prayed with my parents and surrendered my life to Jesus, it felt really good because what I'd been experiencing before, it wasn't freedom at all. It Mm. was bondage and it was miserable. Wow. I mean, that. That is a lot. And I, I think when I was listening to your story, it's interesting that you were, when you were talking about the abortion and you said that, um, you know, you believed the lie. And um, do you feel like when you were saying believe the lie that, you know, that this would all, you would feel relief from this? Is that what you meant? Just in case people don't know mm-hmm. exactly what you're referring to, I, I, if you could um, speak a little bit sure. more to that, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I believe the lie. I didn't know anything. You know, like I said, I didn't grow up in church. I'd never didn't know anything about God or the Bible at all. So I'd never heard anything about the sanctity of life that, um, you know, that it's a a child with a beating heart. And I tell you, they really can do a number on you at those clinics, especially if you're none the wiser. And, uh, you know, just saying it's just this little blob of tissue. You know, it's only as big as your baby fingernail. There's there's no life there. It's not a big deal. If you have this child, it's going to ruin your life. And so what they promised was freedom. Right. And but, you know, that's what I mean by the lie. It's a promise of freedom that it's going to make everything okay. This isn't going to ruin your life. You could still have 
you know, a white wedding and get married first and then have mm. your kids, you know, later. And so the yeah. whole dream is what they pretty much sure. uh, try to tell you. But I'm telling you, you, it's that's just not how it is. I mean, it was immediate for me as soon as I left that clinic. I just I didn't know why it was wrong, like I said, but I just knew in my heart that this was not right. I just did something really, really mm. bad, really evil. And um, and, and, you know, I just, I, I just think that was God, you know, yeah. revealing that to me at the time. And so it just, I felt so in bondage, even worse than before after that, because I had so much guilt, so much regret, so much shame, and it was just suffocating to me. So that's what I mean by I bought into the lie that everything's going to be okay. And this is going to make everything right. You know, this one 15 minute procedure and it's all over, but I'm telling you, it, it's a, it's a scarring for the rest of your life. Life. Yeah, which is so sad because then it's like you you can never escape from it. And and it's like you didn't even know that going into that, that this is even a possibility. And the fact that you walked away feeling the way you did and you weren't even a Christian. So that's very interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna ask you like what how did your life change change once you did become a Christian? But I'm curious, um, before we get to that, how did you manage um, all the guilt and um, what you felt with having the abortion? And, you know, if if someone's listening to this and feeling the same way that you felt, um, I don't know if there's any words of encouragement that ha- has helped you through the years of, as you've become a stronger Christian, um, anything that has helped you with this. Yes, uh, just just understanding the grace and the forgiveness of God, and the best thing that I did because I was a young Christian, I didn't, I, you know, still had a whole lot to learn about the Bible, and didn't understand a lot of the Bible, and so I sought out an older, wiser Christian woman, and I asked if I could meet with her, and as we met together, you know, I poured my heart out about how the regret, and I mean, I was just beating myself up so badly about it, and just felt such condemnation. And that is an older, wiser Christian. She helped me to understand that condemnation comes from Satan um, and that forgiveness comes from God. And when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And so I had to, I had to forgive myself because Jesus forgave me. And I also knew, um, you know, that the Lord um, that was that that was his baby. That was his child. And so um, there was comfort in knowing that my baby was in the arms of Jesus and that even uh, that Jesus had forgiven me and that I would see that baby again. So, I mean, it didn't it didn't make everything right. I still, of course, regretted the choice. Um, but just to be able to meet with an older, wiser person who could really help me understand what it means to live in the grace and the forgiveness of God instead of the condemnation of the enemy. And there's freedom in that. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that is helpful is finding somebody, um, who's been a Christian longer than you have. And, um, and that's pretty impressive that you've figured out to do that, especially at a young age to go look for that, you know, um, so well, I needed some help. Well, <laughs> I was yeah, desperate. But, but still, you could have you could have yeah. like not turned to somebody because you you could have felt too much shame to talk about it. So the fact that you did realize like I need to go talk to somebody is really great. Um, uh, I, I wanted to go back and circle back to you. Um, so here you are, eighteen. You've accepted Jesus, and um, how has your life changed, especially 
as an 18 year old, you might be turning 19 at this point. I don't know. Um, what did that look like for you? Well, the more I read my Bible and prayed, the hungrier I became to know Jesus more. And the more I knew him, the more I loved him and the more I wanted to serve him mm. and the more I wanted to tell other people about him because I wanted to shine his light into the lives of others the same way that he had used my parents to shine his light into my life. And so step one for me, how my life changed really drastically. Um, I was 19 by this time. Um, I was still in high school, though, and I, I, but I knew that I needed the encouragement of some Christian friends to help me know Jesus better. Um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in their habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And so it was actually over a weekend when I came home and surrendered my life to Jesus. But I knew that come Monday morning at school, I was going to have a choice. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to be a hard choice. I knew um, that I could either act as if nothing had happened and jump right back in with my friends, all of whom I loved so much, and go right back into my old lifestyle, or I could take a stand for Jesus and risk my friends not understanding and uh, turning away from me. And you probably remember how important friends are at that age. Oh, um, yeah. It's your life, I mean, your whole life. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. My friends had been my life for many years, and I was so afraid of how they were going to respond to my new commitment to God. But at the same time, I loved them, and I just cared too much about them to let my fear keep me from from telling them and from um, and from just living out that good news of Jesus. And so I wanted them to to experience that same peace and joy and freedom that I had found. And so I chose to take a stand. And I will never forget that moment in my life. Uh, it was in the Auburn High School cafeteria. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I was actually late getting into the lunchroom. And I'd just gotten my tray of food, and I looked over to where my friends were sitting, and I'm standing there in the middle of the cafeteria, and I saw that they were already, you know, sitting together and cutting up and laughing. I know they're probably talking about the unwholesome things that went on over the weekend and probably planning the unwholesome things that go on the next weekend, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is what we did during our lunch break. And, uh, you know, there in the middle of all of my friends was one empty seat, and that is the seat where I had always sat. That was the seat where I was comfortable. And then I looked across the cafeteria and I saw what I had always referred to as the Jesus freak table or the holy roller table. <laughs> oh, and gosh. this this is where all the Christians sat. And now this is the group that I had openly ridiculed and mocked and made fun of for years. Wow. And they always sat together. Um, everybody knew that they were Christians because they always held hands and prayed before they ate. Oh. And when I looked over at that group, there in the middle of them was one empty seat. Wow. And I knew what God wanted me to do. But mm. I can't even begin to describe to you the battle that went on oh, in I'm my sure. heart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. standing there in the middle of that cafeteria, holding my tray of food, oh, it was yeah. such a pivotal moment. Yeah. And I just thought, do I take the path back to my old life where I'm comfortable or do I take this path of God and take a stand for him? Mm. And I just remember standing there and my whole body was shaking and I was yeah. crying because oh. it was so hard. Yeah. But I finally walked over to that table where those Christians sat and I took my place in that empty seat. What did and your friends do? Your other friends? 
Were well, they like looking you know, at you yeah, like what? Yeah, they were. They were. They were looking at me and they were they were like, what in the world is going on? I yeah. think maybe they thought it was even a joke, you right. know, that I was that I was going to see how everybody would respond. And so, you know, but I, I just I just looked away from them because I, I had to have some Christian friends. And so when I sat there, I didn't know any of that Christian group's names. I didn't know any of their names at all, but I felt pretty certain they knew mine. <laughs> to say that they looked shocked would be an oh, understatement. Yeah. They looked as shocked as my friends did. And so I was so upset I couldn't even eat. And we just sat there in this uncomfortable silence for what seemed like an eternity. And then finally, one of them spoke up and, and said, Ginger, can I ask why you decided to come and sit with us today? And honestly, he actually looked a little bit afraid of what I might say. <laughs> and and I just explained to him, I just explained that I wanted to know Jesus better and that I needed to be around people that could show me how to do that. And right there at the table in the Auburn High School cafeteria, they all took turns praying for me that I would find strength in my new relationship with Jesus. And, you know, you ask how my uh, how my friends felt about that and their response. And, you know, I just want to say that that doesn't mean um, that we should have nothing to do with non-Christian friends, that we should shun those non-Christian friends. Because whether we're 18 or 80, we can't lead them to Christ if we shut them out of our lives. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, we shouldn't blend in with their lifestyles either. We have to draw strength. And, and that's what my mentor, this older lady that I began to meet with told me, she said, you need to, you've got to have some Christian friends that you can draw strength from. And then, um, you know, friends where you, where you do spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then you can let the overflow of that encouragement pour out into the lives of your friends who are lost. And so, you know, we want Christ to rescue them from darkness, um, but in order to do that, we have to shine his light into their worlds, but we can only do that by being different, by being set apart and by making the decision to live a life surrendered to Jesus. Yeah, that is so true. And I do think that is so important because obviously you can't witness to people if you just completely shut everyone out. And um, so, you know, think about the youth pastor. If he wouldn't have um, spoke to your parents, right? Like your parents mm -hmm. would have never, well, can't say never, but they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have known Jesus through him if he kind of had that attitude of like, I only hang out with Christians and you know, I only run with them and I don't hang out with non-believers. And so um, we're getting right. close to the end. And there's two things that I wanted to ask you. The first one is um, for the parents that are really just kind of feeling the struggle and thinking they're, you know, teenagers are going to hate them for the rest of their life. Is there anything that you're thankful for when it came to how your parents handled you being rebellious? Yes, I, I'm so thankful that my parents just kept talking to me about Jesus and the difference he was making in their lives during my rebellion, because even though I didn't want to hear it, they just kept telling me about the scriptures that God was speaking to them through and about the freedom and the joy that they had found in Jesus and how it was just so much better than this the shallow and fleeting satisfactions of the world that they had experienced before that. And even though I didn't believe as they did, they just stayed faithful in sharing their daily testimony of who Jesus is and what he was doing in their lives and what he's done for all of us. And Jesus used their testimonies to draw me to himself. And so encouragement for parents um, that are out there that might be listening, I think I think that as parents with rebellious teenagers, that's the key. You see, teens can argue when we try and force our own convictions on them. 
but they can't argue with our personal testimonies about who Jesus is to us and the difference he's making in our lives. And so that's what I'm thankful for, that my parents didn't back up, let up, or shut up about their love for Jesus and what he meant to them personally. And because of that, I came to know him personally. Yeah, that is so amazing. And I really I really do I think this will help other parents that are really kind of struggling and and just to keep showing up and um strengthen your relationship with uh Christ and um you know and and don't falter with that cuz like you said, you know, your parents could have easily just been like, "No, just come home gender." Like we miss you. Like we miss mm-hmm. being a close unit and um having those times together. And so it is quite amazing the story. Um but Ginger, we're at the end of the show, and I did want to ask you, what kind of encouragement would you want to leave um, listeners um, with today? Sure. Well, to parents with rebellious teens or parents with younger children who either have not yet accepted Christ or, or might just still be really young in their faith, I just encourage um, I just encourage you to speak up about who Jesus is to you and what He's done in your life, and pray that He would use your passion and your love for Jesus to win their heart. So, um, you know, what that looks like on a day-to-day basis is just talk about Jesus and the life-giving truths of His Word, um, as the Scripture says, as you sit at home, as you walk along the road, as you lie down, and as you get up. And remember that no matter where you're starting, whether it's with a rebellious teen or uh, with a young and impressionable child, God's Word does not return void, which means His Word will accomplish what He set it out to do. Yeah, that is amazing. I love it. Um, I had such a great time listening to your story and um, never would I have known that when you were on uh, last year. So this was really fun getting to know you better. And like I said, I really do believe this is going to give some parents hope that are, you know, that are dealing with the situation right now and struggling and they might be feeling like they're all alone in all this and that everyone else has teens that they're not having these issues with. And um, I think just hearing your story will truly inspire them. And so I just want to say thank you for coming back on the show again. It was really great talking with you. Oh, Amber, thank you so much. And can I just say really quickly that I'm starting, uh, I've got a new podcast um, called Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. And it's a weekly podcast where our primary goal is to encourage and equip parents to reach beyond outward behavior, address the issues of the heart and point their children to the transformational power of Christ. It's going to be super practical. Um, We really want to help parents move past the frustrations of not knowing how to handle issues of disobedience and defiance. And just into a confident and biblical and well-balanced approach to raising their kids. So I hope that your listeners will uh, tune in to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. I would love to encourage them each week in their parenting. Yes, that will be an awesome resource. Thanks for sharing it. And thank you so much for coming back on the show today. Thank you. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email, and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests' information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday, and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email, and you will be all set. See you next week.